accurate blue-collar theology to shield the mind, body, and spirit. This is Full Armor Radio. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the program. I am your host, Brandon Lockridge, and it has been a while since I've had the opportunity to record, but here we are back at it again. It's been quite busy, and as I have said, I think I mentioned it a few months ago uh, when I kind of kicked back up on the podcasting uh, that these episodes would be consistently inconsistent. And so staying true to my word there, uh, here we are. And in our last episode, we talked about the history of the Belgic Confession, and we are back and we are going to pick on up here with Article 1 of the Belgic Confession. So getting right into it, let's start off by reading Article 1, and then we'll go through it piece by piece here. So it says, Article 1, Belgic Confession, we all believe with the heart and confess with the mouth that there is one only simple and spiritual being, which we call God, and that he is eternal, incomprehensible, invisible, immutable, infinite, almighty, perfectly wise, just, good, and the overflowing fountain of of all good. <clears throat> okay, so there is a lot of attributes there. So let's pick up on a couple. Now we're, we're not going to go into super deep dive on uh, a lot of these here. We're certainly there's some that are kind of pretty straightforward that we probably would all say that we understand and agree with the 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 understanding that God is perfectly wise. We probably uh, have an idea of that. His justness, his goodness, although we will talk a little bit about that, his invisibility. But there are a few things here that I want to touch on. So right off the gate here, we read in the First line, uh, uh, see, there is only, uh, there is one only simple and spiritual being. What does it mean when it says that God is simple? What does it mean to be simple? Are we saying that God is a simpleton? No, obviously, that's not what we mean. Well, in the in theological terms, there's this uh, this term divine simplicity. Divine simplicity. Well, what is divine simplicity? Well, <clears throat> basically, it means that God is without parts. Did that sum it up for you? If not, let me uh, let me dive a little deeper in what what that means. Okay, what do we mean when we say that God is without parts? Well, what we mean is that God is not made up of various attributes. It's not like God is, for example, ten percent holy, ten percent righteous, ten percent gracious. Uh, 10%, you know, just 10% love, right? And then you've you've got all these attributes and you put them together and they all make up who God is, right? That's not, that's not what we mean. Okay. That's not who God is. That's not how he's made up. He's not made up of all these various parts. To me, to say that God is simple, we mean that he is all of it. He is actually all of his attributes, 100% of them. He is 100% just, 100% holy, 100% righteous, so on and so forth. He's 100% of every single one of his attributes, 100% of the time, without failure. Okay, let's look at something like, um, for example, the righteousness, okay? God, 
righteousness is not something that God has. It's not something he possesses. God is righteousness. Holiness is not something that God possesses. Grace, justness, uh, love, these are not things that God has, and therefore they make up who he is. No, he actually is those things. He, in essence, defines justness, graciousness, holiness. Okay? So, God is all of those things. It's unlike human beings, right? So, for for us, we are essentially the sum of our parts, uh, so to speak. So, we have, we possess various attributes, and they make up who we are. And our attributes can change based upon emotion or passion. So, for example, one day we could be gracious, merciful. We can be just. We can be loving. And the next day, we could be none of those things, right? Because maybe we're having a bad day, we're frustrated, and so we are no longer gracious. We are no longer merciful, right? We are unjust towards people. And so we will change who we are and our characteristics based upon how we feel. This is not so with God. Uh, Another important attribute of God is something called impassibility, divine impassibility, uh, meaning uh, God is without passion. Uh, Passion and emotion do not change any of the attributes of God. It does not change who he is. He is all of his attributes perfectly, 100% of the time, without failure, not changed by emotion or passion. Okay. And so this is unlike us. This is unlike human beings. And so we are very much made up of various attributes and we possess various attributes. And the combination of those attributes make up who we are to whereas God is not a combination of attributes that he possesses. He actually is by definition, all of his attributes. So that is divine simplicity. Okay. Now, as we move forward in this, we say, okay, uh, there's one, uh, there's one only simple and spiritual being. Well, If we look in John chapter 4, in verses 24, we read that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Uh, I remember going through the uh, Baptist uh, catechism for children with my kids, and one of the questions in there is, Who is God? The answer, God is spirit and does not have a body like men. Now, what about Jesus? Obviously, Jesus is God, isn't he? Yes, he is. He is the image of the invisible God. But when we speak of God the Father, the the essence of God, God is spirit and does not have a body like men. And so, um, there is one only simple and spiritual being which we call God and uh, and that he is eternal incomprehensible, incomprehensible. Now, I want to make a distinguishing note here. I want to distinguish incomprehensibility 
from knowability. So is God knowable? Well, of course. Of course he is. The fact that we even know the attributes of God means that God is knowable. But God is knowable insofar as he reveals knowledge of himself. We cannot know all there is to know about God, right? God, it's, it, God is, again, unlike us uh, as, as the creation, <clears throat> sometimes we can accidentally reveal things about who we are. We can accidentally uh, reveal our character, maybe in a fit of anger or something like that. We can reveal a little bit more about who we are by accident. God never accidentally reveals himself. God always intentionally reveals what he wants to be known about him. So everything we can know about God, we only can know it because he reveals it to us. So that leads us to incomprehensibility. So as I said, although we know things about God, we can't know all there is to know about God. There are things, many, many, many things that God does not reveal about himself. And so we would say that God is incomprehensible. He is knowable, but he is incomprehensible, right? Um, invisible, we understand that. Immutable. Uh, now, again, this goes back to kind of what I was saying when we were talking about attributes, right? So we, as human beings, are mutable. We change. Uh, our, we, we change attributes based upon feelings, based upon emotion, based upon passion. We are mutable. God is immutable, meaning that he does not change based upon passion or emotion. He is all of his, again, he is all of his, uh, his attributes perfectly 100% of the time. And that never changes because as I said, he literally is the definition of his attributes. God is love. God is holiness. God is graciousness. God is righteousness. He defines those things. And so if we have any of that, it's because we're simply, if, if we are being gracious, if we are being merciful, uh, if we are being loving and just, it is only because we are reflecting the character of God. We are reflecting the attributes of God. Those things, we don't define them. They have been defined and we simply possess them at certain times insofar as we are reflecting the character of God. Okay, so God is immutable. He's infinite. He is almighty, perfectly wise, just, good, and the overflow, overflowing fountain of good. Okay, overflowing. So goodness. Let's talk about goodness. So when we go to Mark, let's look at Mark chapter 10. And we're looking at verse 18 here. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Okay, so again, we think of people being good, right? We think of goodness in, in terms that we like to define them. But God defines the terms of goodness. And Jesus says, no one is good 
except God alone. So God, again, is the definition of what is good. When we think of something being good, we have to hold it up to God and say, is it really good insofar as God defines goodness, right? Because God is goodness. And so we talk about people being good. I remember one time I had a gentleman ask me, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, the answer to that is, well, ultimately, you sit there and say, I don't know the mind of God, so I don't know why various things happen for a lot of different reasons, right? They can, they can happen for all kinds of reasons that we could possibly never know, or we, we couldn't possibly ever know. And uh, only, only God knows uh, why certain things happen. You think even the, the subject of evil in the world and, and all these bad things, all for God's glory and for, for the good of his people. And God is providentially working uh, and, and guiding all of history towards his perfect ends. But this question, you know, it comes up a lot, uh, especially when you, you interact with non-believers and they know you're a Christian. And this is a very common question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, again, what's the definition of good? Who's good? Jesus says no one is good except God. So as I compare people (laughs) to God, I can say, well, that doesn't really hold up, right? We're all sinners. Uh, We're all, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Not one of us deserves the goodness of God, the grace and the mercy of God. Um, But he gives to us freely, even to the sinner. He is good because you think about it. The fact that you think about common grace, uh, the, the sun, uh, shines on the just and the unjust, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, the, uh, non-believer experiences the goodness of God every single day, just the fact that they wake up with breath in their lungs is, is them experiencing the goodness of God. The fact that God allows them to live another day and another day and another day, even though they toil in evil and wickedness, God allows them to exist. And that, that, that is the sinner experiencing the, the goodness of God. And so when we talk about good, we have to define our terms. We can only know what these things are insofar as they are defined by God himself. And uh, we look to the creator. And as we compare ourselves to the creator, it's, it's pretty dismal. But again, God is gracious and merciful and he's, he's um, poured out his love upon us. And for those of us who are believers and we know the goodness of God, we know the mercy and the grace of God, uh, that is reason for us to give glory and honor to him and to also tell others uh, about that goodness and that grace and that mercy. And so um, this uh, is a short article, uh, article one here. They they do get longer as the, as, uh, the 
the confession goes on. And so um, I'm glad that we got to dive into this today. Again, consistently and consistent on these episodes. I'm not sure when the next one's going to be, but I really appreciate uh, you folks uh, just continuing to join in on these episodes and listen in. And I hope that they continue to be uh, edifying to you and glorifying to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. And I hope you will tune in next time when we pick up in Article 2 of the Belgic Confession here on Full Armor Radio. Yeah.